0: Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert.
1: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, we are focusing on entrepreneurs who are veterans or, as to the case of today's guest that are the spouses or those who support veterans. And my whole mission with this is to make sure that we're not only aware of what our veterans have done for us, but that we recognize the new places that they have in our society that really can build our societies even stronger based on that background. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Amanda Neely is a small business and financial professional. You know, for about 10 years, she ran a company called Overflow Coffee Bar. So she's gone through the, uh, you know, all the muck of it, what it takes to not only run a small business, but deal with the financial issues. Now, today she shares her experiential knowledge through her own podcast, called grandma's wealth wisdom, which I love, and through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and couples, and also profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to work with people to, as we know, take charge of their cash flow. That's such an important issue. Leverage their assets and increase their profitability in ways that would make their grandma proud, which I love that as a topic. She's also the wife of a veteran who uh, spent his service in the Marines and And I can't wait to learn from her. So Amanda, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you for having me, Michael. So great to be here.
1: And I love the topic or the name of your company and your podcast, Grandma's Wealth Wisdom. So I can't wait to dive into that. But let's start first with, you know, tell us a little bit about your experience being a wife of a military uh, person and now the wife of a veteran. Because you know, I think it's one thing to learn about the people who've gone and served directly, but there is something extra special about those who keep everything running while those people are serving our country. So tell us a little bit about your story.
0: Yeah, I actually, I met my husband well after he was done uh, being in the Marine Corps. So I don't have direct experience of um, being a spouse of someone who is actively serving, um, my experience is more meeting them later and mm-hmm. falling in love with them and choosing to start a business with them, right? And I, I wouldn't change anything about his experience with the Marines. Um, that kind of, so I, I can kind of imagine because I was on the trajectory actually to go into the Navy and I had to get a medical discharge before I actually went to boot camp. And but hearing his story with boot camp, my brother was in the army as well. Hearing like his stories from the military, I that like experience of being pushed to what you think is your limit and mm. beyond, right? And being realizing really what you can do and the power that you have if you put your mind to something, even when your body, you know, uh, ends up not working. That mm-hmm. um, that thing inside of my husband has gotten us through some of the worst times of entrepreneurship. We would have never gotten as far as we've gotten if he didn't have that like knowledge that he can go beyond what he thinks he can. And to, to just see, right, like to just try it, like why why limit myself kind of attitude, which I love. Like that's, um, I've kind of taken that on myself a little bit um, just through his you know encouragement and how he's helped me
1: that way. That is a great... Uh- correlation. And I love that. And as you were talking, I'm I'm going to say this and then you're going to roll your eyes at me. So will everybody else. But I do this workout two to three days a week at my local gym or the, the neighborhood gym that I go to. And it's called boot camp. And every time I'm like, I'm going to boot camp. And my husband the other day is like, yeah, you are not going to boot camp. But I'm like, I recognize it's not the same. But yesterday, or a couple of days ago, we were in this plank position, and she's like, "Okay, now go into Spider-Man plank." So we're all in Spider-Man. And she's now now like take one more step with your hands, and I was like, "If I fall on my face, this is not going to be good." But to your point, I did it, and I loved it, and I know it's not boot camp for real. But your analogy is perfect. It tell you think you know how much your body can take. You're pushed a little bit more. Which makes your mind realize that when I'm in these tough situations that I think I can't take more, I can take just a little bit more. And in entrepreneurship, that is really vital for, for success during hard times. Yep.
0: Yep. And the emotional turmoil of it too, not just the physical, right? Of yep. the real boot camp and then the, the experience of entrepreneurship. Like that might even be sh- harder for some people than the physical aspects.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Because you think, well, at least if I was climbing up a rope, I could do that. I, know. what do <laughs> right. I do? What do I do when a pandemic hits and my entire business model is turned upside down? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what? Um, so I know you had, uh, you know, you've had a great work experience, but then you went into this entrepreneurship of owning this coffee bar. Um, tell me a little bit about the decision to do that, and then how it led to where you are today with uh, Grandma's Wealth Wisdom.
0: Yeah. Um, so. That kind of service mentality that also uh, was part of my husband, part of why I thought I was going to go into the Navy as well, that kind of like wanting to do something that's good for other people really is what led us to start a business. I was actually working for a nonprofit, you know, uh, trying to give back in that way, make a difference and realizing actually small businesses really change the world. They employ people, they can, you know, have more control over their supply chain to make sure that they're paying people well for the products that they produce. And so that's really what led us to start the coffee shop. We wanted to, know kind of know the bean to cup story and make sure that the farmers are being paid well as well as Mm -hmm. you know the cocoa we used and the the vegetables in the salads and the milk you know all the aspects of that to know we were making the economy better for Mm -hmm. people all around the world that were producers in this way and then using our profits to change our own community right Um, hiring people that uh, might not have access to jobs giving some of our profits to the nonprofits in our community, all those kind of things. So we, we were a legitimate social enterprise. Our like articles and corporation were for a, a purpose prior to a profit. And we had to always put that pr- purpose first. You know, We couldn't s- suddenly switch and serve Unethical coffee. The next day, I'm a set a name brand. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't want to
1: throw anybody under the bus. Uh, <laughs> glad you, we didn't have to go beep. <laughs>
0: um, and and we we could tell people that all the time, but it it wasn't like fake. It was really like who we were and what kind of had always inspired our lives from you know that initial going having the physical done, raising our hands and swearing the oath to serve our country. Carried right over into how we wanted to serve people in starting a business.
1: That's beautiful. I have a very good friend who runs a brewery in Seattle, and she, uh, and it's called Optimism Brewery. All right, I'm I'm giving you uh, Gay Gilmore. I'm giving you a big shout out. Um, and she, or that's her thing too, is that you know she and her husband did really well um, in their careers, and when they decided, okay, we want to do something, they want to do the same thing. And one of the first things they decided was we. They, and they have a a, um, a story about this on every table. It's like we pay a um, a livable wage, so please don't tip our our team. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be tipped. We would rather pay them better and give them opportunities and benefits than have them depend on your tips. Yeah. And I remember the first time I thought that saw that I was like, you know, this. I know it's not for everybody, and it's not always uh, received well in a capitalistic society, but it. I mean, for a business owner to make that kind of commitment really tells a story about your values and then drives your decisions that you make with your business. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. Um, easier said than done, though, as we yeah, found absolutely. out a couple years in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I can imagine that could be the case because you you're going to have a few more uh, you know things you have to overcome and jump through, hoops and yeah. and ledges. So then what decide you know when you just said, okay, you know now it's time for me to share what I've learned with other people. First of all, where would you come up with the name Grandma's Wealth Wisdom because I love that, And how did that transition into your business today?
0: Yeah. So we were a couple years into the coffee shop when we met a certified financial planner, we were doing some documentary showings and he chose a documentary about how money really works and showed it as a, a documentary screening. And when the credits rolled, I was mad that A, he had never told us this before, I he had tried to tell us we just weren't listening. <laughs> and B that we had put ourselves really where we were and I had woken up in that moment to realize we were on the edge of bankruptcy. We had put others ahead of ourselves so much. We had put service so far ahead, right paying the coffee farmers a living wage when we weren't making a living wage ourselves. Yes. And so I forced him to sit down with us. Um a couple years later, we'd paid off our business debt and our student debt, you know, personally, and we had gotten the business to a stable place where it could actually cover our basic living expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also been introduced to this profit, uh, to this concept called profit first by Mike McAllowitz. And we started yeah, yeah. instead of paying ourselves last, we started paying ourselves first. Right. Um, it, it was totally a transformation. It took like four or five years to get there, but
1: we got there. Right.
0: And that's when we found out we were expecting a little one. I was pregnant and we goodness, fixed... you
1: figured that out then not yeah. uh, six years prior.
0: <laughs> yeah. And partially because we had figured that out, we um, were able to sell the business to a nonprofit who continues that mission. And I was able to even add their own mission to it, to be an incubator of small businesses on the South side of Chicago, do some really great stuff. And we were thinking, what's next? We thought, well, if we've st- We have to continue that being in service to others, being um, a a voice of change. And really what holds people back from making the change they wanna see in their own lives and in other people's lives is money oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So what if we could help people get their stories with money into a better place, help them take those next few steps of their journey and that would help like, thereby we're empowering them to make the difference they want to make by making the difference that they
1: need in their, their financial stories. I love it. Well, Amanda, I think there's so many things in here. I've taken a lot of notes so far. We're going to get back to some and We're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being*. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get the Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Wellbeing at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we are back with Amanda Neely. Um, I, I'm really impressed with, you know, your story because you tell two stories. I mean, there's different chapters to this. The chapter of, you know, going into business and really wanting to have it be community focused and support. And, I you know, I want to give everything away. We want to make sure everybody's making you know, a livable wage, your awareness of we're not making a livable wage, which as everybody reminded me the first couple of years of my business, it's not a business. If it doesn't make money, it's a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, look, I'm building up to something. So I'm fine with it, but you know, we get it. But then to the realization of we have to pay ourselves first, because if we're not taken care of, and I think that's a really vital point um, for entrepreneurs is that yes, most businesses take a couple of years before you reach you know, if you're lucky, some sort of profitability, but along the way, if you're not paying yourself, you cannot sustain that unless you have, you know, a boatload of money behind you. And that's an important factor that if you're so caught up in what you're trying to do for your, your mission and vision, you may lose sight of it or feel like you are going against what you're doing by paying yourself first. And that's a great awareness for you to have, like, we've got to, we have to pay ourselves first or else we're not going to make it
0: that ultimately the mission will just stop because of burnout, because you'll have to go do something else to, to buy groceries or pay rent, or Mm -hmm. like, um, I mean, eventually it could come a time where you can't work. And then if you've, if you don't have anything for yourself, how are you going to, you know, go forward from there?
1: Right. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about what you do specifically today and who you work with and how it makes a difference in their lives.
0: Yeah, we work a lot with entrepreneurs and small business owners who um, often they get to the point where they realize the biggest risk I'm taking financially is with my business, right? I'm putting all my blood, sweat and tears into it. I've put my own funds into it. And this is actually risky. It could work out, it could not work out, I could sell, I could not sell, I could, you know, scale and be able to uh, pass off management or not, like the industry could change. It's actually really risky. And so with the money that they do have, the profits are starting to pay themselves, the, uh, retirement savings that maybe they had from their former career, that kind of thing. They're thinking, I need to make sure this is safe. This is secure. If we're trying to build a diversified portfolio, we can't have hundred percent at risk. We mm-hmm. want, um, we want something safe and secure, but we also don't want to just sitting in a savings account doing nothing, right? Cause then it's losing money, uh, rather, you know, it with inflation, right. right. Uh, we don't want it sitting in the walls of our house. Cause that's not necessarily safe either. Um, right. You know, uh, prices of homes go up and down and they're looking for what is a safe alternative that's actually going to grow. And turns out grandma has the answer. It's a product <laughs> that 50% of Americans are using in 1940. That's just kind of gone out of, out of like popularity because of some clever marketers
1: in the 1980s aha uh-huh. very good so grandma may know a thing or two and we just don't yeah. know it <laughs> so I love it and' I'm, one of the things I know I want to touch on um uh, before we're you know getting ready to wrap up is I know we talked a little bit before we started taping about you know how yes you're working with small business owners and entrepreneurs but also with veterans and or people that are going into service for the first time um one of my we kicked off this month with my uh, big my buddy uh, Rob with the DAV with Disabled American Vets. And we constantly talk about how unprepared a lot of people are when they go into the military to understand how to manage their finances. And especially while you're in the military and many of your expenses are covered, you know, preparing ahead of time is a phenomenal opportunity that I think most people don't take advantage of. Can you talk a little bit about how you can help those people specifically to gain control of their money and really make it work for them during those kind of times? Yeah. Um,
0: there, every case is, you know, unique, every person, their story is unique, but maybe I can tell about a couple stories. Um, one lady I met, she, um, was, retired from the military officially like receiving a a military disability income and she had a a side business on the side um actually a couple of them and she was trying to figure out okay i have some of these like this disability income but that's not going to be enough i've got all these little gigs that are paying me little things i have to figure out how to do my own saving for the long term right Mm -hmm. and um you know, an old TSP account from when she was active duty. That's a thrift savings plan, only available Mm -hmm. to military people, um, which has some really great offers within it. She just didn't, you know, funds that aren't available to the general public and Mm -hmm. she just wasn't sure what to do. And I, um, a lot of times when you're active military, you can get, there are people that are on military bases, helping do financial planning and it's really great. But afterwards, it's a little harder to know who to talk to and who's going to really understand where I'm, right. I'm coming from. And to have that connection with the military and with entrepreneurship and multiple sources of income and trying to figure out, well, what, how do I manage all these you know, different buckets and make sure I'm doing what's best for me was really fun to come alongside her and really put together an, a strategy that's long-term and allows her, if she wants to invest in her business, she can still do that not tying mm-hmm. up her money until she's 59 and a half.
1: Right. Absolutely. Very important because you have to have some liquidity there in order to use exactly. it when you need it.
0: Yeah. Um, and then other military people have been really interested in real estate, particularly if they've been, um, uh, in the military for many years and they've had mm-hmm. to move a bunch, they might already are, own some homes that are rental properties and they're trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, now that I'm, uh, out of the military, I'm going to find my place to live. What do I do with these other properties? How do I make sure that if I do sell them, I'm not going to have a big tax burden or, you know, what do I do with all those kind of things? And that's really fun. I I love real estate um, and real estate investors to be able to, to figure out some of those big questions and think, do you uh, pay off your mortgage? Do you use it to maybe do some Alternate investments, or you know, how, what do you do with those funds? So those are good questions, as well. Yeah. And then, um, you know, even I, my latest client I was telling you about is leaving for boot camp in a few days, and he's got um, he knows he's going to have this income, but not have a lot of expenses, right? right? Because the military takes care of everything at the beginning there, and so he wanted to have a disciplined, like pre-planned. Yeah. What's get, mm. he going to do with that income? Because when he's done with the military, he plans on doing real estate. His mom is a real estate investor. He wants to be a real estate investor. So he's like, I want to set these funds aside so that when I leave, I'm ready. And I don't have to like immediately jump into corporate America or something else. I can take my time. Actually, a lot of military people have shared that with me, that that yeah. transition from cert, from active duty to being a civilian again can be rough and they want flexibility during that time. Yeah. and yeah. So I'm, I love that he's thinking about it now. I have some other people in their fifties that are gonna retire soon that are like, okay, now I need to think about this. How do I make that transition and not right. feel pr- forced and pressured to do that? That's an, a fun conversation to have too, because then we get to dream. Like yeah. how, what, how long do you need? What, what kind of funds do you need? Where do you wanna move to? You're like, mm-hmm. And to be able to have those uh, conversations with people really uh, get, brings me a lot of joy and I think helps them get more clarity as well.
1: I love it and I love the gentleman going into boot camp thinking that far ahead that yeah. bode's very well for his future. Yeah. And uh boy I'll tell you I wish I would have been that smart at that age <laughs> and I wasn't going into boot camp with a lot of guarantees of things so fantastic. Amanda um we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now to be, find out more about what you're doing what's the best way for them to find you?
0: Yeah, it's grandmaswealthwisdom.com or wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast, or if you're watching on YouTube, you can find us there too, Grandma's Wealth Wisdom.
1: Perfect. Excellent. So, before we go, do you have any last words of Grandma's Wealth Wisdom?
0: Well, I, this, um, when we think about Grandma, we picture like an old woman, you know, uh, maybe uh, just hanging out, maybe even doing nothing. But I love like this. We're talking about grandma when she was in the prime of her life, right? Mm -hmm. And she had huge potential, right? And she took advantage of it. She worked really hard, you know, grew her own vegetables, canned them, you know, baked her own food. She took control of her finances. She was a radical saver. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, they were saving 30% of their income back then, not investing, saving, Mm -hmm. big difference there. And we forget about that sometimes when we're looking at who grandma is today, right? If you picture the grandma, you know, right now. And I find it a lot of fun to like, well, what were they like when they were at my age? What were they doing then? And there's a lot we can learn, not just what they're doing now.
1: I love it. And uh, from one grandma, who knows <laughs> the, the things change over time and decades without a, without a doubt. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing grandma's wealth wisdom with us. And helping us learn more about your journey as a spouse of a veteran, and uh, and and just being here today to give us some motivation about what we can take control over to make our finances work for us. You've been a great guest. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more